the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who comes from the Father, he will testify on my behalf. You also are to testify because you have been with me from the beginning. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. Yet none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, some of you will be Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because they do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father. And you will see me no longer. About judgment, because the ruler of this world has been condemned. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Gospel of the Lord. Sisters and brothers, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. That gospel text for today, like last week's gospel text when Pastor Sarah preached, is from the five chapters in John's gospel that are known as the farewell discourse, the last things he would say to his disciples before his death the very next day. There's every indication that the disciples had absolutely no idea that he would realize, be dying the next day, but Jesus realized it absolutely. And so there were absolutely some things he wanted to say to them before then while he could still say them. Some of you have gathered around bedsides where the purpose of a conversation was the same one. Before death comes, there are some things I want to say. One thing Jesus said that night and said more than once was something I've heard said around more than one bedside when I've been invited to be with people then. And that last thing I have heard people over and over again, they say then when they were given the chance to say something was, I love you. Jesus several times that night in his farewell words told his loved ones that he loved them. Then, because moments like that have a way of giving us clarity about things that are truly important as opposed to things that ultimately and truly aren't. We just lived too many days of our lives thinking they were. And so then, wanting his loved ones now to know the truly important things that are truly too way bigger than all things, that night he also said to them, don't live in fear of things. Live in faith. Believe in me. 
He said to them that night, and believe in the Father who sent me, and love one another the way the Father, the way I have loved you. And every chance you get, tell others that they too, because of all that I have done, can live not in fear, but in faith, even midst sometimes fearful things and fearful times, for in all things and in all times, he said to them that night, my peace I give to you. Then that night he did one final, final thing. <coughs> a portion of which Pastor Sarah's sermon last week was based on. He prayed for his loved ones. Praying that as they lived their lives out in the world, because that's exactly where he wanted them to live their lives, out there in the world, not, not in behind the walls of a church. He prayed that as they lived their lives out there in the world, because that's where he wanted them to live their lives, they would be protected Mothers and fathers of seniors pray prayers like this. That as they live their lives out in the world where they are meant to live their lives, they would be protected from fearful things that might be found there in the world and they would not be taken in or split apart by the harmful and divisive values of the world, but would rather in faith and in love ever be one with each other and with him and with the values that he had lived and would soon die valuing. And I think again of the conversations I've had around bedsides, this time with one or another person who was dying and whose loved ones weren't one midst things. They were fighting often about things. Be they things in estates that would soon be left to one another, or things like grudges about slights or sins which no one seemed willing to allow to be left behind. And more than once the dying and I then have prayed. As the dying said to me, I don't want them to fight about who did what or who gets what. I just want them to get along. And so the two of us have prayed then because, among other things, their loved ones ever doing what love for them so wanted them to do sure seemed in this moment to be something they'd neither have the will nor the ability to do without a power that was above and beyond and greater than just them. Which it turns out is also something Jesus knew as he considered those whom he loved. He knew that when it came to living fully into the hopes and plans and purposes he had for them, they were going to need a power above and beyond and greater than just them. Which, here now in today's gospel reading from earlier that evening, is something he promises them. I'm leaving you, he said. But then came the promise, but I'm not leaving you alone. And then the rest of the promise, I will send a helper an advocate, a teacher, a guide who will finish what I've begun in you and who will empower you for what I will do in the world through you and through whom I will be with you. Parents, remember this promise was made to your child through whom Jesus will be with you everywhere and always. The promised one he was talking about, the promised one he was promising about was the Holy Spirit. 
both the Greek and Hebrew words for which are accurately translated Holy Spirit, but which can just as accurately translated as Holy Breath or Holy Wind, which I like to remember for reminds me that this kind of ethereally, nebulously sounding Spirit of God is in fact the real and alive presence of God, which is ever as near to me and to you as the air that we breathe, air which we can't see any more than we can see the Holy Spirit, but air which is as near to me and, and, and the reality of whose effects sometimes we can, sometimes we can sometimes see as the air sometimes presenting as wind moves and blows. The Spirit of God, the breath of God, the wind of God, and the in this world promised ever presence of God, sometimes quietly quiescent, sometimes gently freezing, sometimes mightily blowing around and within you. Which takes us to the book of Acts and the signature Bible story for the day of Pentecost, which Daryl read so well. When 50 days after Easter, the word Pentecost, by the way, just means 50th, the disciples are doing what Jesus had told them to do before he left. They know their job descriptions, believe in me, love one another, and share the faith and share my love with the whole world, but don't do so right away, he told them. Wait until you are clothed with power from on high. And then, says Acts 2, Pentecost day, the 50th day, came and with it, says Acts 2, verses 2, and you know your Greek and your Hebrew, so this verse has meaning for you. Then, says Acts 2, verse 2, came the sound of a rushing and violent wind, which they could hear. And then came the sight of what looked like tongues, human tongues made out of fire, which they could see now descend upon them. And they then, they, each of them, were lit. Not with fire, but with power. Which powerfully empowered them to start doing that and keep doing for the rest of their lives what Jesus had given them to do. Believe with faith that was bigger than fear. Love with love that was more powerful than hate. And go into the world where he wanted them to live their lives. Sharing, preaching, proclaiming, showing, giving, living a word of faith and hope and love to and for all people. And so they did. And the world was turned upside down by the windy fire of faith and hope and love and grace breathed into being and fueled into flaming and fanned into spreading by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Breath, the Holy Wind of God. So, Two and a half weeks ago, the choir was getting ready to practice the music for today. When suddenly, storm sirens sounded in Iowa City. Warning of strong and potentially violent storms aiming at Iowa City and Gloria Day from the south-southwest. And so we, who have read our emergency policy, moved 
to the designated storm shelter at Gloria Day, which is the hallway downstairs with no windows in it, the, the hallway outside of the nursery. And then we moved the piano into the hallway, too, where we then did not live in fear, but in obedience to Michael, who wanted us to continue <laughs> to continue to rehearse for Pentecost Sunday as sirens sounded the alarm. The first piece we rehearsed, and you cannot make this stuff up, the first piece we rehearsed as sirens sounded tornado warnings was the choir's intro to the end of the day, which we're going to sing in about two minutes, which begins, Holy Spirit come in wind and fire. <laughs> and the fire sirens kept sounding, warning us that the wind was coming. One choir member Gracious had to call Steve, who was homesick, to see if he knew about the storm. He said that he certainly did, and it had just taken out their power. And I, in my head then, I couldn't, I mean, I meant to be obedient to Michael, but I couldn't not start working on my sermon for this morning. For I thought to myself, some winds send us down into basements. The wind of the Spirit sends us out into the world. Some winds take away our power. The wind of the Spirit is our power. Some winds frighten us. The wind of the Spirit moves us beyond our fears. Some winds come flying in fulfillment of warnings, fulfillment of warnings that have been given. The wind of the Spirit comes flying in in fulfillment of promises that have been given. Given to the disciples, for example, on that Thursday night, and promised and given again to you, for example, in the grace, Spirit-graced waters of your baptism. Given, why? Because one, Jesus promised that his own would never be alone. And two, because he and his Father have plans and purposes out there in the world for all of his own, for you, his own. And sometimes, of course, people, maybe you, are tempted to turn away from the call of God out or up or forward into those plans because I can't do that. It's bigger than me. Sisters and brothers, of course the plans and purposes of God are bigger than you. That's why they're called the plans and purposes of God. But you are a child of God. You aren't just you. You are breathed into the next moment, from one moment to the next, into the world where God calls you to live your life as well as to be something of His life by being not once ever in your life alone, but rather ever and always being blown into being and into becoming by the wind, the breath, the presence, the life, the peace, the power of the Spirit of God with you. <laughs> <laughs>